Welcome to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow with Jay Allen. Today we're going to challenge you to think differently and do things differently. To search for what is seen as impossible to do in your field or industry, but if done, would be transformative. To understand that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading. Now, here is your host, Jay Allen. Hello, I'm Jay Allen, your host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. Today's discussion, we're going to focus on transformation is everywhere. Impact revenue now. One of my favorite quotes to set this up is a Thomas Edison quote. There is a better way to do it. Find it. Today with my guest, we're going to, we're going to discuss how he re- uniquely reached a point of transformation in his life and his business. And we're going to challenge you, our listeners, to step out of your comfort zone and transform something now. We're excited to have Terry Slatery as our guest today. He's led in so many aspects of life. And Terry even brings one of his own favorite Edison quotes to us today. Simplicity is the highest order of thinking. And Terry, you grew up in, in an Air Force family and you spent four years in the Air Force yourself. And then your degree in economics led you to IBM. And that's where as one of their, your leading, their leading salespeople you first began using value differentiation as an important methodology. And as president and CEO and founder of the Slatery Sales Group since 1985, you've been enabling sales forces to master their differentiating value through effective sales execution. Quite an accomplishment. You've worked with CEOs and executives in more than 2,000 client companies in more than 100 industries and you've helped them increase revenues and preserve margins. Your clients even say you're able to look around the curtain and explain with wonderful clarity the very complex dynamics that exist between buyers and sellers. And moreover, you play jazz piano. Jazz piano. Congratulations. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you, Jay. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here today participating. We're looking forward to your insights and thoughts and things that we'll discuss that will be important to our audience as they consider their own transformation situations, opportunities, and maybe a few speed bumps along the way. So we're going to discuss today your experience in transformation from a few different vantage points. One is your overall client organization experience from an organizational level. How have you experienced the, the organization as it's in itself really respond to transformation needs and situations? And then your client execs, how have they responded? And then of course, the sales organization and the salespeople, which really hits your sweet spot. So if we could just start a little bit about your experiences with transformation. Uh, what's been the impact? What have you observed? Well, when I think of the phrase transformation, I think of dramatic change. It doesn't have to be gigantic, but it can be dramatic. And so it can have an impact, even if it's a small effort in the beginning. And so as I've looked at how organizations and the leaders have responded to transformational change. Sometimes, hopefully, they're in front of it, but a lot of times 
they're reacting to it by factors outside their organization. And so for me, once I understand where is the impetus coming from? Is it internal or external? Are they being forced to change or are they volunteering to do it proactively? And because those are two different services at the end of the day. Um, one of them is you got to help them understand what they don't know if, they're, if there's incoming surprises that you see in that industry or in very similar situations. We got to help them get in front of that. That's one kind of piece of work. But the other one is they already know where they want to go. But now it's a little bit like the practice of medicine. My wife is a physician. And we always talk about the situation where people go online. They put in their symptoms. They select something that looks like them. They print out all the diagnosis, the reports, the prescriptions, everything. And by the time they show up to see my wife, and she doesn't do primary care, she's a specialist, and her focus is on infectious diseases. But they'll come in and say, I have this problem, and here's what the course of treatment is, and if you'll just give me this prescription, I can get out of here. And, of course, they've missed a lot of things in their self-diagnosis and then their self-prescription. And we see the same thing going on with clients. If they have self-diagnosed and self-prescribed, there will be things that they've missed that could have consequences that are unacceptable. So, again, are we reacting or proacting? That's kind of first. And sometimes, I mean, I just did it yesterday with the CEO of a significant business in the area that I live in. And they had diagnosed and had prescribed, and they had missed it by maybe 200% what they were going to have to spend to implement the change that they wanted to create. They had lowballed it. And that was the rest of the day talking about how do you plan to deal with this? How do you arrive at those numbers? All that stuff. Because you don't want to call their baby ugly, but by the same tone, you do have to let them know that the baby needs a little more nourishment, the baby needs a little more help to grow up, all that stuff. It's a seed idea right now, but they lowballed it. So, so it's always did, did uh, when they lowballed the cost, was it just the dollar cost, or did they also lowball the lowball the effort of cost? The timeline was distorted. They thought they could get so much done in such a short period of time. Literally, they were thinking that this could be like a 90-day effort and it would be magnificent. But they didn't know enough about, they wanted to change the way the people sold. They wanted to reposition the thing in the marketplace. And they grossly underestimated how long it would take. But the biggest thing, John, they didn't know if the people were on board. They just thought they're going to decree it. This is where we're going. Uh, not with a young group of salespeople. <laughs> they're they're going to want to have a vote. So, Terry, how long do you think did you have, do you have insight into how long it took to for this problem to manifest itself? How long it had been going on? About four years. So and they wanted a less than ninety day solution. Exactly. On something that had built for four years. And it was It was the impetus was an existential threat. Excuse me from a change in their industry. And they had kind of hoped it would go away, hoped it would never amount to anything, had kind of ignored it until it started taking market share. 
at which point now we got to do something. And their, their sense of urgency kind of took over. And, you know, we had to slow that down, go get the rest of the information we don't have, and then talk about what your options are. So, as usual, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> Certainly not. So, so did you, have you had enough time with them to gain any insight on what caused the myopia? I didn't have enough time with them, but the, the person who introduced us gave me a wonderful background on the causes. They essentially have been doing a lot of work in essentially reacting to things that were coming up in the market. And it was going to force them to have to be much more proactive. And this person is a consultant in marketing strategy um, for very similar companies like that. And they gave me wonderful history on what they had been through in Europe. They had gotten their clock cleaned in Europe. And watching those numbers sink was the whole driving force here. So we're, sometimes we talk about the difference between protecting the current situation, mm -hmm. responding mm -hmm. to change, and actually transforming. And yeah. this sounds like a pretty good case study of the extreme protection of the current situation. Oh, very much so. And if, you know, the, the one question was, what if this doesn't work? And the answer initially was, that's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, well, we do need to discuss it. Because if you're going to bet the farm on this, you're going to have to have a lot more than you have right now in terms of plan, in terms of resources, and in terms of time. They got to buy some time. So our experience indicates that people in an organization that are protecting the status quo are generally universally frustrated because mm -hmm. the people that are closer to the markets, closer to the customers, mm -hmm. closer to the changes, closer to the competition, know what the transformation opportunities are that are needed. Yep. And the availability of actually acting on some of that. Did you get any insight into that? Some of them had, were so convinced of it that they left and started their own small competitor. Bingo. Because, because they thought they could move more agilely through this marketplace and at least get a toehold in the customer of the future that these guys didn't really have a definition of. And so, yeah, they knew it for a couple of years. Well, we, we spend a lot of time on Zoom these days, and I did receive some information two days ago from somebody who said it's absolutely verified. I have no way of checking it myself in this time frame, but that Zoom was established by people who left a former company. Really? That wasn't agile enough to respond to the need. Yeah, yeah. Rings the bell, doesn't it? It sure does. So an, another S part of that continuum of protecting this current situation, and then the next part is dealing with change. And what we found is that when, when change comes around the corner, like it seems to have with your, 
the company you're referring to, that people feel it's kind of put upon them. Yes. Like, oh, there's this change. And, oh, sigh, woe, almost woe is us. We have to deal with it. Yeah. And so they feel put upon, which, first of all, we established just now an agreement between the two of us that protecting the current situation doesn't make you jump out of bed in the morning. No. And then feeling like change is being put on us also doesn't make you jump out of bed in the morning. Exactly. So it starts to make sense that some people would leave this yep. organization because what we found is when you're, when you're ahead of that situation, as you've mentioned in a previous discussion with you, that you've got to get ahead of the situation. And when you're ahead of the situation, that transformation, it makes a difference in people's lives, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, and of course, the people who went off and started an alternative solution didn't have to deal with all the legacy issues that are holding back, you know, protecting the current revenue and all that stuff. So they couldn't, they didn't have to deal with that stuff. They couldn't afford to spend any time on it. They had to get the business up and running. And so the path they took was very interesting because they, they simplified their life. They came with one very good solution that would work. And that seems to be getting them the traction they'll need, but they don't have to spend any time with re-educating, with helping clients understand why this new dimension will be a good thing and all that. Because, you know, the people who are stakeholders in the past don't necessarily want things to change very quickly. And whereas I don't have any stakeholders in the past when I'm new. Right. And so you've been dealing with similar situations for quite a long time in your career. Oh, yeah. About uh, 33 years of it now. So has much changed in those years about circumstances that you're describing? Or does well, not, not so much. There certainly is along the legacy path because I work a lot with companies that are selling some form of technology. And what's really interesting about that is, of course, the life cycle has, you know, it's gotten a lot shorter how long you'll have any kind of competitive advantage before somebody else has got me too only better. And so what we're seeing is that when you're putting people out in the marketplace to defend what you have and get a good price for it and to get that done in the least amount of time and resources, one of the things that we've noticed is you can put people on the field, if you can put athletes on the field who are very comfortable with consistent change, that if that's part of their DNA, we thrive on consistent change. They do very well. If you've got somebody that that's a real problem for them and they they liked it the old way it was, they don't survive that kind of transition. And so what we're seeing is there's a lot more thought now being given to who do we actually put in front of the customer as, if you will, the face of the company for this particular sale that we're pursuing. And they're learning that they can put a much stronger athlete on the field for that upfront work. And then as the team begins to move in and take over, you get the various specialties and stuff that work. But we're seeing dramatic changes by executives who said, we we want one of our competitive advantages to be the people that we put in front of the customers. And that is 
very much a different way of thinking, at least that I've seen in the past few years. And uh, it's very it's interesting. Gotta be, it's got to be very encouraging, too. Oh, absolutely. And very what's encouraging. And, of course, what's happening right now because of the changes with, you know, pandemics and those kinds of things is there are a lot of good people whose companies went under and they are available. And so we right now can look and be very picky and you can start to pick really strong people. And and it shows up within 90 days in the revenue of the enterprise. That's a good place to stop. We'll pick it up in a little while. We're going to take a very short break. Are you intent on gaining a new competitive edge in your markets? Are you looking for innovative ways to engage customers and inspire your team to grow your business? Masters Alliance Strategic Management Consulting Firm brings 30 years of experience partnering with clients in over 20 industries in 13 countries to achieve breakthrough business results. Jay Allen and his team of professionals can help your organization discover new opportunities and create solutions to produce a lasting impact in your markets. Masters Alliance will work with you to engage employees, customers, and suppliers to reveal new competitive situations and accelerate how you get things done. Our team brings fresh, multi-industry perspectives and a track record of excellence to help you accomplish significant business goals. If you're ready to set your business apart and make a difference in your markets, visit mastersalliance.com to learn more. Are you missing business opportunities? Take the bucket off your head and see your business differently today to get the results you want tomorrow. From Jay Allen, founder and CEO of Masters Alliance Consultancy, LLC, the Bucketheads book is the ultimate business guide to excite your organization to market-changing thinking and actions. Drawing on 30 years of experience working with executives in 20 different industries and 13 countries, Jay Allen reveals strategies to connect with customers, markets, and suppliers in game-changing ways. Bucketheads will show you how to step out of your comfort zone and transform your business. Winner of Independent Book Publishers 2020 Gold Medal for Best Nonfiction Ebook. Bucketheads helps business leaders like you champion innovation and ignite the fun of achievement. Get your copy of Bucketheads today. Available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. See more at BucketheadsBook.com. You are tuned into Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow. Hosted by Jay Allen. To reach out to the show with questions or comments, please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com. That's info at mastersalliance.com. Now back to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow. Welcome back. I'm Jay Allen, host of Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow. We're having a great discussion with Terry Slattery. And he's the one whose clients say you're able to look around the curtain and explain with wonderful clarity the very complex dynamics that exist between buyers and sellers. And we're experiencing some of that. So, Terry, just to pick up on the discussion that we had before the break, some people step up to the transformation opportunity and some don't. How do you think that happens? Observing it over so many companies for a lot of years, I think 
one of the reasons it happens, Jay, excuse me, one of the reasons it happens is they underestimate the opportunity cost of not changing. That whatever they're using to gauge, because, you know, if human beings are going to change their behavior, change their way their organization behaves, if they're going to make changes, usually there's resistance to that change. There's the pain of change. And what tends to offset the pain of change is when you understand the consequences, if you will, and the opportunity costs of not changing. And they always underestimate that. They tend to think they have more time. They tend to think they can take perhaps a more leisurely approach to it. And in what we're seeing in the pace of business today, and especially how you won't get very many times to get in front of them before big decisions are made. And so the, the cost of delaying says you're missing opportunities that are actually where your industry, where your business is going. And they're not, they don't, they want to deny that it's that quick, that it's that imminent. And they always tend to underestimate what the real consequences are of not changing. And they overestimate the pain of change too. So do you think that maybe a lot of that is the leaders being too far away or too much out of touch with what's really going on with customers? Oh, I can give you, there are so many great examples of it, especially right now if you think about what's going on, certainly in North America with regard to healthcare and a lot of major provider organizations that, you know, run multiple hospitals and hundreds of clinics and things like that. Um, A lot of them are really suffering in terms of cash and in terms of revenue and things like that because of all we've been through. And yet some of the solutions that they could be doing that we're seeing, you know, we're putting in front of them that within 90 days could dramatically change their finances. They just kind of think, well, that looks like that's a lot different than the way we've been doing things. (laughs) Okay. If we say, yeah, and what do you think's causing you to perhaps have to go do that? Well, we think we got enough time to turn this around, you know, and they don't have. Because when you look at their financials and you look at, you know, whether or not they're running out of money and stuff, they don't have anywhere near the time that they think they do. And, um, I mean, changes that could happen. We We just went through a case where there was an organization that had a, gap in revenue of about $100 million a month that they needed to have. And the solution that we were suggesting that they take a look at could have been, could have fixed a big piece of that within four to five months. And they took six months to decide whether or not to have a meeting. <laughs> because it was going to mean they had a few people's oxes had to get gored in that kind of a change. And some of them were getting ready to retire. And they didn't want to have any blemishes on their exit. And they were afraid to try anything else. It was just so, bizarre. One of the things that we occasionally tee up is this idea of familiarity or experience with transformation. And the, and the premise is, and we've observed this in so many organizations, as I've mentioned to listeners before, I've been fortunate enough over the last 30 years to work with uh, 
almost 130 organizations in 20 industries and 13 countries. And the similarities are much greater than the differences. And one of the things that we've observed is those that have not experienced transformation or been close to it or heard about it from somebody that they really trust or even kind of touched it and semi-smelled it, whatever, however you want to say it, come close to it, they don't believe it's possible. They just don't believe that transformation is possible. Therefore, in there, therein lies the hesitation sometimes, no matter how dire the circumstances are. And sometimes I like to connect that to the muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of if, if a management group or an organization would just try to transform some things, don't you think they'll learn from it? Exactly. Be more courageous to try it next time? And exactly. is that a muscle that they can grow? Have you seen that? Very definitely. It, it increases their tolerance for the discomfort of change. And that little muscle memory exercise will do that. It, it, it builds a tolerance for what you actually can bear. It's really interesting. Um, you mentioned in the introduction, I have a passion for jazz piano. I'm a student. I'm not a performer. Okay. But I love part of it. But I've been dealing with a particular problem, doing things the way I'm trying to break a pattern of the way I've done things for years. And I'm working with a very skilled teacher, composer, performer person. And one of the things that she's had me do, because I kept making the same mistake in my left hand and over and over, and it's making me crazy. And so finally she said, stop. And she said, I want you to switch hands. I want you to play the left hand parts with your right hand and vice versa. And I started playing and we were working on a tune I knew very well and I knew exactly where and it was hard. It was really hard to do it. But after about 20 minutes of working on this passage and trying to make it sound the way I wanted it to sound, all of a sudden there was a click and I owned it. And she said, now put your hands back to the normal way. And the old muscle memory had been overridden by the new one. She had transformed it within about 20 minutes. And it was just amazing to me because it's a skill I didn't consider when I was looking at music, but I've watched little things like that can change downstream much bigger things. Well, that's, that's fantastic that you were able to switch over that quickly. Well, I didn't think it could be done because I was trying to do it on my own. That's what prompted a 911 call because now I'm not, I'm practicing making the same mistakes and that's not what I want to practice. Okay. No. <laughs> that's, very, that's very true. So the, I think that's instructional for all of us is, and the way you got there was to think differently about something. Absolutely. And then, and then try it. But I had to get used to the fact that I was going to make a lot of mistakes while I was getting there. And all this is going on in a matter of 15, 20 minutes. I know this tune. I played this tune a lot, and, I've, and it's been okay, but I, I'm making a lot of mistakes now. It'll change. It'll change. Just keep going. And sure well, enough. That seems to me an obvious linkage to transformation on all kinds of levels. Absolutely. Is it? We know it can happen. We know it will work. 
but it's not a straight line. And there are going to be speed bumps, and sometimes it's messy. Right. Like your first 20 minutes. Oh, it stunk. But all of a sudden, I had new capability. So, Terry, what do you think about the concept that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading? I think it lasts longer for one reason, and there's, there's no resolution to the burden of regret. There is resolution to the risk of leading because if you step out, something's going to happen, <laughs> okay? It's either going to work or it's not. But you never get that resolution if you didn't do it. And now you're running tapes and say, what if? And should I have done that? And it, there's no resolution. It never ends. It's kind of torment. And it goes on way too long. It sticks around, doesn't it? It sure does. And the what I've observed is, I want to double check this with you and your experience, that we all generally, if we make a list of the advantages and the risks, it's different than what our perception was before the risk, because our perception bef- before the list, because our perception before the list was, gee, there are all these risks. Yeah. And the advantages are kind of, yeah, well, there are a few advantages. And then when we actually sit down and self-document, before we even talk to anybody else who has a better opinion, but just self-document, the list of risks versus the list of advantages, it's right surprising. Is that what you experienced? That the, Absolutely. The risk is much less than we perceive. And as you and I were discussing when we were getting ready to do this session today, when we tend to overestimate the severity of the consequences if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay, we make it bigger than it is. It's like the old pirate movies. Don't sail past that part because there's giants in there and they eat you or something like that. You know, and So it's like we won't go there because of the perceived risks. Turns out they're not. We can survive a lot more than what we even thought about. And we do wind up doing that. And out the other end, when we do take the risk, there's some exhilaration. Oh, yes, absolutely. And of course, it does. There's that muscle memory piece again, because now it starts coming back and saying, I'm building the skill of adapting to this newer and better way. And that's, of course, supports the next iteration. Do you think that generally makes organizations and people more open to Changes that they didn't see around the curtain like you do sometimes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They tend to be, they, they almost got to have some sort of a proof of concept that's that transfers to the bigger picture. And so sometimes we will design that exercise so they can see that what they're thinking could happen that's not good is not nearly as severe as the cost of not doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's transition right there. It's a change in mindset. Mm-hmm. So before we take our break, could you take a couple minutes and tell our audience a little more about the Slattery Sales Group and even tee up this upcoming boot camp you have? Sure. They Because of this time of year and, you know, there are two sets of numbers that I'd like for people to understand about sales forces. The first one is in a given year, half of all the salespeople on a sales force don't make their quotas. 
And there's another set of statistics that I'd like for the audience to be aware of, that we've got data on a couple million salespeople right now. And what we know is 6% of them are really good. Another 20% are good enough to make the house some money. The other 74% are projects. Okay. And so what the boot camp is about, because we're coming up on, we got two months left to make some changes, especially on the revenue side, on penetrating new accounts, doing those things. One of the things that we know is we might as well, the reason the bottom half of the sales force isn't doing well could be, there could be many of them. But the boot camp has learned that most of the time, there are about four or five things that you can install quickly that will change their game. It's that little muscle memory, starting to do things a little differently piece and give them enough coaching and support. So we do that over 15 hours. It's all virtual. And at the end of it, they will be able to do two things. Number one, they're going to understand what their real competitive differentiation is, which should put them in front of the right people because of number two, which is, and somebody's getting the bill for not having it. Who is that person? They will take your call. They will have the conversations. And so the boot camp is all about getting your differentiation so you can describe it, not in terms of what your differentiation is, but in terms of the consequences to the prospect's organization if they don't understand or value your differentiation. It is a completely different conversation. So I took a VP of sales through it this morning of a brand new client. And when he understood the concept of it's not what you have that differentiates you that you talk about, it's the consequences of not having it. And he said, that is a big mind shift for this sales force. But what's happening is they're not adding enough new accounts. And so we're going to do, they're coming through boot camp and the, the leaders are. And we're going to teach them differentiation because the first thing is that gets you higher margins because you don't have to match the price of somebody who's not as good as you, but you have to learn how to defend that. So the boot camp's about getting that done. It's 15 hours. It's for sales managers, sales leaders. And then we also do it with salespeople. So it's either group can, or either party can come. But the stuff works, and uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you about it. So, Terry, when we come back from the break, I'll ask you to tell the audience how they can connect with that. Absolutely. Thank you. So we'll take a short break now, and we'll be right back. Are you ready to break the mold, discover your business edge, and get to the future on time? Then take the bucket off your head and transform something. Opportunities are everywhere. Drawing on key principles from his award-winning Bucketheads book, Jay Allen and his team at Masters Alliance Consultancy, LLC, will support you as you take your organization out of its comfort zone, energize, and embolden your team to champion new thinking. To look at markets, customers, and competition from a fresh perspective, Discover your organization's outlook on the future. Does your team understand that today may already be obsolete and tomorrow's opportunities are easy to miss? It's time to take action, create excitement, get in the game, and make a difference in the marketplace. Get in touch with Jay Allen at mastersalliance.com. Get your copy of Bucketheads today, available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. See more at bucketheadsbook.com. 
Are you ready to look at your customers differently? See them from a fresh perspective to gain competitive advantage and grow revenue? Masters Alliance Business Consultancy brings you beyond demographics, the character of the customer, an advanced approach to understand and connect with customers in new ways. You get new views of the motivations and needs of your customers. You engage your organization in unique, actionable customer segmentation understanding. Masters Alliance will help your team reveal hidden opportunities, identify distinct customer desires, and develop demand-creating value propositions. Now is the time to look at your market through a new lens and chart a new competitive direction. At Masters Alliance, we know that customers are more than meets the eye, and success depends on looking beyond demographics. Visit beyonddemographics.com to learn more. What about those great opportunities in your business that you wish you could get done? Your organization is so intensely busy, it's difficult to even achieve the urgent projects. At Masters Alliance Consultancy, LLC, our clients have learned to cut the time in half and then in half again and get better results with newly excited associates and execs. The seemingly impossible is possible. We will help you take your organization out of its comfort zone. To energize and embolden your team to champion new thinking, to look at markets, customers, and competition from a fresh perspective. To help your team understand that today may already be obsolete and tomorrow's opportunities are easy to miss. It's time to take action, create excitement, get in the game, and make a difference in the marketplace with our internationally proven accelerated implementation process. Experience the virtual possibilities. Get in touch with Jay Allen at MastersAlliance.com. You are tuned into Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow, hosted by Jay Allen. To reach out to the show with questions or comments, please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com. That's info at mastersalliance.com. Now back to Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. Welcome. I'm Jay Allen, host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. It's great to have Terry Slattery, CEO and founder of the Slattery Sales Group with us today. We've been discussing transformation, the impact of muscle memory, the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading, and Terry gave you a little update on his boot camp. And Terry, would you tell the audience how to get a hold of you and connect with that sales boot camp? The easiest way is... T Slattery, S-L-A-T-T-E-R-Y, T Slattery at SlatterySales.com. That's where you find me. The boot camp is SlatterySales.com. And also, um, when we talk, it would be helpful if I understood what you want most to be different about 2021, okay, from a revenue and margin perspective. That's great. Thank you, Terry. Mm -hmm. And to continue on our discussion, uh, some have said to me that getting to the future on time really isn't possible. Uh, well, what, Jay? Do you? Th how can you? You nobody can get to the future on time. And my point is that's not really the point. The point is to create your own future, to create a better future for you and others, and then you'll be on time. Absolutely. Because you have to connect with what's going on in your world and have to look at it through your previous lens and look at it through the world's lens and understand how those two might connect 
and create your future out of it. And it seems to me that's really important in organizations as well as sales forces. Making sense? Absolutely. We talked a little bit about uh, transformation in people and transformation in organizations. I'd like to tee up another dimension of transformation. It's more than transformation of organizations. It's considering how we use things even, how the things that we actually use, our thoughts and our ideas and our concepts. It's some our experiences, how we view our experiences. Do we take advantage of them? Do we transform our reflective part on those experiences? Do we look forward to new experiences? And do we transform our thinking about possibilities or friendships or our relationships or teams? So if we expect organizations to become to increase their ability to transform and transform things, we as participants need to be prepared to transform things. So that requires some inner looks here and say, okay, are we prepared for transformation? And don't sit there and say, our organization isn't willing to transform. What can we do? Because what we found is doesn't make any difference where you are in the organization. If you've got insights and you don't want to have the burden of regret and you're willing to take the risk, you can provide some leadership. Absolutely. How does that ring with your world? Well, one of the things that's on the horizon right now that's going to require a difference in individual thinking is that the convergence of technology, and especially in terms of artificial intelligence and a lot of other derivatives of IT that are going on, is that you're going to be able to do a lot more with a lot smaller sales force. But they're going to be dramatically different than the ones you have today. And so understanding and thinking through the path to evaluate that and test it is, you know, going to take some courage because, again, you might find out that you didn't do it right. You might find out you didn't understand the whole problem. But when we see, for example, with what's going on with the pandemic, when there was no more flying to other cities and face-to-face sales meetings and all that stuff that people have done for years. It was just done. And then when we realized that instead of one or two meetings a day, a good person with virtual selling capabilities could have 10 meetings a day. And all of a sudden you have a difference in productivity that's stunning. But it's a different business process too. So as we see the kinds of possibilities that are embedded in a change that looked like a disaster. And all of a sudden, but it takes a different way of thinking like you're talking about and a different way of viewing resources like time. Because you can get to a decision point in business development a lot quicker. Now with the tools that are available, you can get to a decision much more quickly 
than you could when you were bound by physical getting in front of people and meeting and doing all that stuff. It goes way faster. And that's just beginning to become a fact of life in industry after industry. So if you're not ready for that, you're going to wind up with a lot of people who can't compete because they never learned how to do it in this dimension. And we're seeing that. So by implication, that extends way beyond the sales force. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, it's going it's to be whole, pretty universal. And you got to, it's going to change definitely who you select to go in, to put into those roles. Mm-hmm. Because. And, and other customer facing roles. Exactly. Even in service, et cetera. Yep. yep. So, Terry, I'd like to transition. And I'd really appreciate it if you could tell us a little bit about your book, The Cinnamon Story. Oh. I find, I find it fascinating. It's, it's, a, it's a true story, and that's why I liked writing it. And what it's meant to do, it's the story of a manufacturer's rep who was selling food ingredients. One of them was cinnamon. And he had amazing value for his customers, even though cinnamon itself was a commodity. But he needed to get premium prices in order to deliver that extra value. And he wasn't—he was technically very skilled. He understood everything about ingredients and food processing and all that stuff. But he wasn't very good at getting paid for the consulting services that he had to do to help the client get the maximum value. And so because he looked like a commodity, he was threatened with they were going to buy the cinnamon someplace else for less money, three cents a pound difference on a 40,000 pound contract. And so he kind of was in a position where he couldn't defend his value and yet he had real value for them. So what was going on was, and this is the lesson from the cinnamon story. There are many times decisions made in one part of an organization under the mantle of cost reduction. And in this case, this procurement person was going to move the cinnamon to a cheaper supplier and save about 1200 bucks every time they did this contract. But what they were really doing was carving out his consulting help to get new products to market faster. And so they carved that out and they made the decision. And so she went to a banquet and got a plaque for saving 1200 bucks on a cinnamon contract. They, the lost revenue in time to market was $9.6 million immediately. So she, quote, saved $1,200 over on the procurement side, but it cost them on the revenue side $9.6 million. And the reason we have salespeople is to connect those dots. Okay, that's what their job is. So what, what I want the audience to understand is there's usually, when you hear somebody's after-cost savings, I see at least a thousand times a year in the coaching work that we do where it's never a cost savings. It's a cost shift that somebody else doesn't recognize and it happens to them. And we've seen it go on in everything from massive contracts in manufacturing to service contracts. What looks like a cost savings is rarely completely a cost savings. Much of it is a cost shift. And if you can help identify that, you can alter selection process and it's been fun to do and we're teaching it all over the place that's great what you're describing makes me believe and think that my opinion of salespeople 
was never bad. It was just sort of neutral. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing is, in my terms, salespeople as business people. Yep. In other words, they they almost are independent entrepreneurs within an organization. Yep. Where they have to understand all the dynamics of this and carry it out. And you mentioned a phrase that I really like, and that is their job is to connect the dots on this. Yeah. And, and, the, and the question that works well when you're trying to figure it all out is this one. If, and you and I, you know, in our history, we've talked about this. One of the fun things is if you have value, then not having it has to have consequences, especially if your value is unique, if it's differentiating. And so if you know what the consequences are of not having that value, you can reach the person who is unaware that there could be an end to those consequences. They almost always know they're living with the consequences, but they didn't know there was a solution. And that's where you can change decisions and time cycles and all of that stuff and margins get better. So the cinnamon story was meant to tell it because it's such a simple story. But I've had hundreds of salespeople after they read it send me a message and say, you've just been describing my life. I couldn't figure out how to have them understand that they weren't doing a cost savings. They were doing a cost shift. And it's really, that's transformational once you get it done. Yeah, I bet a few of these books ended up on certain executives' desks. Oh, yes. and Even sent in by the sales force. They have done that, and it's quite. It says, "How do I get you to understand this?" So it's quite funny. It it strikes me that uh, it would be entertaining for you to provide some posters that salespeople could email anonymously to others. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun. Well, it impacts it impacts marketing groups. Uh, oh. impact, it impacts strategy groups. It mm-hmm. impacts uh, internal customer groups and strategy groups. And uh, it impacts uh, people in the finance group. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a collective uh, viewpoint of I go back to an entrepreneurial thinking in an yep. organization. Yep rather than an organizational thinking out of silos. One, one of my clients described it this way. He said, once I understood this isolation between a bad decision and the impact of it, because in large complex organizations, it can cross boundaries and, and borders. And so what we know is a decision could be made a corporate that absolutely crushes a business unit someplace else. And they, and, Nobody connected the dots. Mm -hmm. And so it's once you get that clear, you can build a supporting cast of people on the client side who will insist on taking a different path. So you can alter decision processes once you understand the cinnamon story. So I want to just expand on something I I asked in a different way earlier, and that is, what are the most encouraging signs you see for organizations in their consideration of transformation? I think we all have a list of things that are not encouraging, but what are the most encouraging signs you say that see that this might 
really have a chance to dramatically improve in organizations? I think that there's much more openness about how much better something has to work, that what we're doing is not delivering the potential that we thought it had, that there's a lot more willingness to say, we're not sure that we have the best approach to this. And a lot more willingness to do some of the little tests, some of the little small decisions that would give you good feedback and tell you if you're on the right path. It's To me, it shortens the time to consider whether or not there's an opportunity here for the kind of dramatic change that's possible. So what I hear you saying in another way is there's more awareness of the gap yep. between what the potential is and what they're trying to get done. Exactly. That they're that leaving. gap is probably starting to catch more attention. Oh, yeah. And worrying some. Yeah. And so that's a good way to overcome fear if you're kind yeah. of worried that you've got this giant gap. Right. Because the gap essentially is the distance between where you are versus where you'd like to be. Right. And as we get that figured out, there, that tends to cause motivation. Let's do something here. Terry? This has been a great discussion, and thank you so much for joining us. And we have discussed transformation, status quo, creating your own future, the Slattery Sales Group Boot Camp, and Terry's book, The Cinnamon Story. And for my audience, we thank you for the privilege of being with you today. And please tune in next week, Thursday, 10 to 11, Central Time. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow with Jay Allen. Next week, we will have more takeaways for your business success. So please join us next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon.